Welcome back. <clears throat> good morning, good morning, good morning, Stuart. Well, what a glorious morning to be together inside. But do not let this keep you from the pumpkin patch. It's, it's worth it. The muddier, the better. Um, we actually um, we, uh, made a video. Uh, a cousin of mine and, and I made a video for my father this week. And it was kind of telling a little bit of his story. And I only share that to say that if you watch it, over half the pictures are probably from the pumpkin patch over the last eight years, which was really special. And um, so it's a memory maker, you know, that I just don't want you to miss out on. Also, I'm glad that Molly showed again how she puts on a bandana because <laughs> it is the least gangster way to use a bandana <laughs> by far. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we are six weeks into our sermon series, Jesus Said That, um, sharing both the encouraging and challenging words of Jesus. And I, I've found, as we've been preaching through the words of Jesus, that even the encouragement of Jesus is oftentimes tremendously convicting um, as, as truth just as Jesus gives this unvarnished, untainted, straight up truth to us, and it is, um, <laughs> it's something so bright that it's like, it's like our hearts and our eyes aren't, aren't just in that place where we can't adjust to it. It's like that it's, it's almost, it's, it's impossible to fully appreciate it um, because the, the long kept state of our hearts in, um, and living against God, right? And, and, I don't, and I think that's, I can't speak for you, that's what's been revealed to me in the last weeks as we've looked at Jesus' words is just how, um, just exposing <laughs> my heart to, to his words. And man, I grew up with this stuff, right? But, but exposing my heart to his words again and again and again, I'm just uh, deeply challenged by them. So my prayer for us this morning as we hear his words, is that we will move past our own expectations, past our, like, I love Jesus and our proclamations of allegiance to him and just hear him for what he says and who he is and that by God's grace, we will love him and, and become like him. So pray with me and we'll dive in together. Father, thank you for this amazing group of people who have come to hear about you, to hear your word. I pray that you will speak in the way only you can. You'll show us ourselves in only a way that you can. And, and because we see ourselves just in your light, in your truth. And guys, we get into today's passage 
looking at who, who the Son sets free will be free indeed. Um, that the truth sets free. If, if there is anyone here, if any one of us is experiencing bondage or just uh, darkness that they can't overcome or um, they just feel trapped, God, I pray for your freedom today in Jesus' name, that, that your words, your truth will come and just liberate us to see you and love you and worship you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing how quickly disagreements turn into accusations? How quickly something that just started as you and I see the world see something differently to, and you're wrong and you're going to hell. You know, that's, we escalate quickly when it comes to disagreements. Uh, very easy to see in the political sphere. Uh, it's like impossible for people to talk about disagreements without it escalating to the point of, of dramatic personal accusations. Uh, and, and I don't just speak about they do that, I do that. I've found myself at times saying things like, what an idiot, you know, that I, I, I stop and I think, when did it become okay for me to say that about somebody that I don't know? Uh, you know and, but we do that. It starts with a disagreement and all of a sudden it becomes an accusation. And that's in this big kind of general perspective, but very personally in our own lives. I mean, we just, Hannah and I just got married and it's very easy in a marriage for there to be disagreements over very small things. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll introduce this one because Hannah, I was gonna talk about cast iron, but she wants me to talk about toilet paper. So there's just a, there's a lot of things that we could talk about. Um, just things that you, you didn't realize you were passionate about <laughs> until someone puts the toilet paper on the wrong way and you have to like pull it this way. Until you're on the pooper, and then you're trying to get the toilet paper, you know, and it's, and, and so you say things like, did no one ever teach you to fill in the blank, you must have been born in a fill in the blank, you know, and it's, and it was just, it was, it was just a disagreement. And, you know, and, and now it's cute because you're like, are we going to argue over this? But then, you know, it can get serious, so you got to watch out. <laughs> the amazing thing is, really is that how, how quickly that happens, how seriously it gets when the disagreements turn into accusations. But when you are outside of that, that moment of passion, that heated disagreement, that you realize how much that disagreement reflected on you, not the other person, and how much your response reflected on you, not the other person, right? Could, could you have just, you know, turned the toilet paper around? You know, everything doesn't need to be like a teaching moment. <laughs> oh, are we going to talk about that now? You know, you know how it goes. So... What we find here in the, the passage that we are looking at is how quickly um, 
what seems to be just a, an acceptable statement turns into a disagreement where, where, I mean, it escalates quick. We start with people that, it says they, the Pharisees that actually believe in Jesus, Jews that believe in Jesus, and, and how quickly, just in a couple verses, they want to kill, they're looking for ways to kill him, and then a couple verses later, they're actually attempting to kill him from people that, that agreed or wanted to believe him. So we're going to dive into John. Uh, this is chapter 8, starting in verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, remember, these are people who are like, when, when they, they're following him, they're like, we're on your side. Jesus says a statement that not just in Christian uh, communities, but, but just widely, he says a statement that is widely shared, right? If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciple, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Before we dive in, I just want to talk about why, as we see, it quickly it turns to accusations, but why these words of Jesus would have been such a hot, topic for these people, why they would get so angry, why this would have pushed a button that would have led them to immediately wanting to kill Jesus. Now, Jesus starting simply says, right, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciple. What he's saying is proximity to me doesn't mean that you're my disciple, right? Showing up for church doesn't mean you're a disciple of Jesus. Uh, Praying doesn't necessarily mean you're a disciple of Jesus, you are really my disciple, he says, if you hold to my teachings. So that means if you, if you go from here and, and nothing that Jesus says you're receiving is true and then doing it, not a disciple of Jesus. And, and that can be challenging, but not enough to make them upset because they probably thought they were doing that. 32, he says though, and this is what really gets them, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The assumption in this if-then statement is that they had not known the truth. And for them, this was worthy of condemnation, accusation, and desiring his death. That they, the Jewish people, had not known the truth until they were confronted by the person and the teaching of Jesus. And only being taught and accepting the person and the teaching of Jesus, could they actually be free? Now, now two things could happen right now. One, you're like, okay, let's get into this. Or the second thing is like, I don't see why that's such a big deal. And that's a big deal if you don't see that's a big deal, right? It's a big deal if, if you hear Jesus saying, the only way to be free is to know me to know my teachings, to know truth. That is the only way for freedom. And if we're like, yeah, it's, that's good. What that is doing is it's confronting every other way of thinking and every other truth claim. 
So let's proceed here. And we're gonna see as they, the first three accusations are actually them responding to Jesus and then Jesus accusing them. And then, and then once we hit verse uh, 48, we're gonna see them turn and them be the accusers of Jesus. And so this is how it starts. They say, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replies to them, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. So if we go back uh, to the last, yeah, here we go. So where he says, they say we are Abraham's descendants and never been slaves to anyone. They're, they're really looking at this through very rose-colored glasses and not, not taking into account that, that they have a history of enslavement. <laughs> the, one of the forming stories in their tradition, in the, in the Jewish people's story, is the 400 years of slavery in, in Egypt where they needed God's intervention, when they needed saving. But here they're like, they're so outraged that he would challenge them to having not known truth that they're saying, how can you say that we need to be set free? And Jesus confronting them says simply this, very truly I tell you, or the truth of the matter is, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And, and, and that's just, that's a, that's a blanket over everybody. He's going, everybody, everybody has sinned and everybody has been a slave to sin. And, and it shows, it shows the, the lack of, of true knowledge in our hearts and in our minds if we don't see ourselves as having been, prior to the truth of Jesus, absolutely slaves to sin. We think that we're in control. We think that I can stop anytime I want, right? We think I can make this decision at my will. But what Jesus is saying is, you can't even see the change that binds you. And if you can't see the chains that bind you, you're never gonna know how to even ask for those chains to be taken off of you. If you have no idea and can't see how you're deceived, then you will have no joy when the truth comes. And they're in this place, right? They're in this place of, of, of not understanding who's standing in front of them. The Savior of the world, God himself is standing in front of them and they're so deceived that they don't even know how to acknowledge him. And so much so that he even, as we go on, he says, and you're even wanting to kill me. But think of, look at the love. So as Jesus levels three accusations at them, I want you just to hear just the, the love and invitation in each one of these. Um, <clears throat> when, if we, sorry, if we go right back. Thank you, right here when he says, uh, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So Jesus is leveling an accusation at them. If we go on to the next verses, and he says, 
all of the things I'm telling you, everything that I know, I've learned, I've seen the presence of my father, but you're doing what you've heard from, from your father. This understandably is not something that they're excited to hear. So they say, well, Abraham is our father. What does that mean? What does it mean for them to claim Abraham as their father? What it means is they're pointing to, to heritage. They're pointing to tra- tra- tradition. They're literally pointing to their DNA. And they're saying, I'm entitled by my DNA to be a son of God or a daughter of God. I'm entitled by my DNA. And they feel so entitled. They feel so secure in their inheritance of that, their birthright that they, they cannot see truth standing in front of them. And I think, you know, how many of us feel the same way? How many of us are so convinced that maybe if we don't have the whole truth, we at least have a part of it? That we are entitled to God and we're entitled to his presence and we're, we're entitled. And so Jesus responds to them, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I've heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the work of your own father. And this is the same time, and he's kind of keeps referencing your father. And, and so they say, we are not illegitimate children. The only father that we have is God himself. And Jesus, and I want you to hear the, the love in what Jesus is saying, the love and the accusations of Jesus. And Jesus says this, if God were your father, you would love me. I want you to just hear that. Imagine hearing, they literally, in their heart, they want to kill Jesus. They, want to, they, they are nothing but angry. There's nothing but venom in their hearts for Jesus at the moment. And he's saying, just hear this, he goes, if God were your father, you'd love me. You would love me. You would love me. And he goes on, he says, I have not come on my own. God sent me. And then he says, why is my language not clear to you? He's like exasperated. He's like, all I said is that if you hold to my words, if you hold to my teachings, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, that's the moment where you should be like, man, Teach me, like tell me your truth, I want freedom. And he says, why, why are you unable to hear? And then he answers, he says, because you belong to your father, the devil. He goes, if it's not clear, I'm just gonna make it clear. Like, if you don't get it, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say it straight. Your father is the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there's no truth within him. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reasons you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Why could they not be free? Because they thought they were free already. It's a very scary thing to think about. 
And I think it's a very sobering thing for us to think about. Many of us who, who just grew up and literally the name of Jesus was like the first, before we even said mom or daddy, we were like, Jesus, right? Like, and, and, and we probably, you can feel entitled, right? Or, or maybe, I mean, looking back, you can remember the time where you responded to, to the father and you, and, but we, we see this and we see Jesus, we see truth, we see love, standing in front of them saying, man, if you knew God, you'd love me. And there's no love in their hearts. There's no love in their hearts for him anymore. It's so much so that as, as we turn from Jesus's loving accusation, his accusation that is an invitation for them to come, they respond by responding with, with crazy accusations against him. And, and so they lean in, they say, Aren't you right in saying, aren't we right in saying that you are Samaritan and demon possessed? You see how this disagreement all of a sudden accusated to like pretty crazy accusations? They're like, you're demon possessed. <laughs> and Jesus says, I'm, I'm not possessed by a demon, but I, I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my words will never see death. Now, again, I just want you to hear the invitation. Hear the invitation to come. They're like, you're demon possessed. And Jesus says, actually, no, I'm divinely inspired to bring you life. And if you believe my words, you'll never see death. And, and they just keep, they're escalating. And you guys have experienced escalation. I know all of us have. And this is what's happening. Now we know that your demons us. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say whoever obeys your words will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And this, this is where it starts coming out. And you know when things escalate and all of a sudden you start hearing fragments of truth, you know, and you're like, oh, that's it. And they're like, who do you think you are? And, and the reason why they're asking you that because they are being profoundly challenged with who they are. Because what they think is, man, if, I, if I'm a descendant of Abraham, then, then I know who I am. And they do, so who, do you know who you are? And Jesus says, I, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced that the thought of seeing my day, he saw it and was glad. Again, you hear his invitation. You hear the joy that he's wanting to share with them. I want you to hear the truth, respond to the truth, have freedom, have the joy. Abraham had it. Why is this not clear to you yet? And, and yet, again, you are not 50 years old, they said, and you have seen Abraham and Jesus says to them, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And verse 39, which I, I failed to give them, simply says, at this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. Okay, we move from, from in verse 31, it's saying to the Jews who had believed him, to verse 37 where he says, yeah, you were looking for ways to kill me. To verse 59 where they, they are picking up stones to kill him on the spot. Well, how do things escalate so quickly? Now Jesus' final claim here, 
I think we learn a lot. I, I looked back at Exodus 3, where, where Jesus is pulling this from I am. When God Yah- reveals himself as Yahweh, as the I am, and I was just reading that story when God reveals himself to Moses. And they've come to the end of 400 years of slavery. God's about to, about to um, rescue them from slavery. And so there's, just, there's a lot of, of kind of um, compare and contrast you can have between that story and this one. But as Moses comes, and Moses is a completely broken man by the time God reveals himself in the burning bush in Exodus 3, And all Moses can think about and all he can say over and over and over again is is he wants to know who he is. And this is, guys, this is profound. When God is saying, the Lord says, I'm gonna rescue the people. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, and then Moses responds after hearing all that God's gonna do and Moses responds simply by saying this, who am I? And, and I think it, as we see that story and hear that story, and then we see God respond by saying, it's not who you are, Moses, but it's who I am. I am Yahweh. I am that I am, who was, is, and will be over all things. God's sovereign. He goes, and God was just saying, Moses, if you see me and you trust me and you put your faith in me and you just do what I'm asking, he goes, the rest will start making sense. Like, like there will be light for your path. Right? Because it's, it's not about you trying to figure out who you are and then understanding me. It's you figuring out who I am and then you understand who you are. But the same thing is happening here in John where, where Jesus says, I am. But, but the people have been so caught up in who they are and their entitlements and, and their, their, you know, the way they've done fancy things with the truth. And, you know, and all of a sudden, they aren't able to see God anymore. And so the question is, why can't they see God anymore, even when he's standing in front of them? And the reason for that is simply this, that, that following the fall, we have all desperately tried to exalt ourselves as God. What do I mean by that? Because right now you're like, no, I haven't, shut up. We have all tried doing that because who God is, is the one who... Everything is from and for. When you're like, who's God? You're like, it's the one who everything comes from and everything is for that one. And there's only, there's only one that fits that description. Yahweh, the I am. And, and yet for us, think about our lives and the way we live, we all, all of us. All, when he's like, if you, Jesus said, if, if you're a, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. And all of us have been so enslaved and driven by trying to, to make everything from us or for us. That's why even now, trying to get out of that pattern, even as people who follow Jesus, we're like, why every time do I start praying, is it just about me? Why, and when I get in conflict, is it about me? Why, I, when, why do I keep accusing God of things because it's about me and I just can't see him? Even when I open my Bible sometimes, I'm so consumed with myself. I can't hear the truth. I can't see the truth. I'm not free. I'm not freed by the truth. Why? Because I open this Bible and I keep asking, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And, and I just get blinded. That makes sense? And, so they, and they're so angry because God, Jesus isn't going, you know what? You guys are great. 
Jesus is saying, let me show you who I am and me, truth, will set you free. So, so this is the conflict that is happening here. It's the ultimate conflict of God and all the idols that we have in our hearts. God and the exaltation of ourselves. We keep asking, what about me? And God continues to show himself. And we want none of it. And why, why do we want none of it? Because we are so passionate about wanting ourselves exalted. And, and, I, and I know, when I say that, I, I know I'm not saying that you have lived with this perspective like, I need to be top dog, I need to, but it is even in, in those who feel most ashamed or guilty or small, even in those who are feeling that, they're consumed with the thought of who am I? Right? And, and Jesus, in saying this, Jesus in revealing this, isn't revealing it in condemnation. We see clearly in John 3, right? That he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so when Jesus is leveling his accusations, when he's saying, man, you're of your father, he's, he's, he's not going, man, and you're condemned by it. He goes, I'm telling you the truth. And so you can be free because who the son sets free, who the son sets free is free indeed. It's, it's not for the person who the son comes to and he's like, yeah, you got some great ideas, I got some great ideas, just put those great ideas together and we'll just get a great idea. That's, no, Jesus comes and he says, you've been a slave to sin. And, and even for us who have put our faith in Jesus, we still need to be confronted by truth. There's still parts of ourselves that are, 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 we walk according to old patterns. And those old patterns put ourselves first and are constantly asking, who am I? God, tell me who am I? And every time we read the Bible, all we see is me, 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 all over it. And so then when we're confronted by the truth, we're like, oh, that hurts. Because the truth is that you need a savior. And the gospel, which is good news, is only good news because we've come to accept the bad news. That is only by grace, the outlandish, amazing, undeserved love of God that he would send his son into the world and he would stand before people who would look at him and hate him. He would stand before us and let us hate him. He would let us be confused, <laughs> try to figure it out, and our, our minds were so jumbled and he would just over and over again give the invitation, come to me. Hear my words, heed my words, hold my words. And if you do, you'll be free. And as they picked up stones to stone him, I think, and I, I shared this a little bit ago, but I, I find in myself the tendency to protect that maybe I can do this without him. And what Jesus is asking for is absolute surrender. Absolute surrender. Because when we do that, we begin worshiping him as I am. And we begin receiving truth. Jesus will never look at you and say, let's agree to disagree. We love that in our culture, right? Let's just agree to Jesus will never say that. And the reason why he will never say that is because 
every other truth will lead to chains. It's only the truth of who Jesus is that will lead to freedom. Because the sun sets free, will be free indeed. And so what we can do to one another, for one another, is show one another the love of Jesus. Help one another love Jesus. Help one another love truth. Show each other the truth. Sit with that person. Let someone sit with you when, when you're just not seeing it. And your response is, ugh. So this week, my challenge for us, uh, myself included, is to pray that God would show us the parts that we still don't want him to touch. The, the truths that we hold on to that aren't his truth. Um, because you will find there, and I'm not thinking about anyone, I'm not thinking about like, yeah, so-and-so needs to pray about this. You know, as you pray, like it will be a sensitive place. It will be a place you don't want Jesus to touch. Even saying like, Jesus, I follow you. We still need to come to him and say, man, Jesus, if there's parts of me that I realize, man, when I read your word, I just, I can't, I can't live into that. I, I just encourage you, let Jesus lovingly accuse you this week. Not in condemnation. Jesus isn't accusing condemnation. He, he accuses with invitation, saying, this is what I see in you, and he's gonna speak truth to you. And he's gonna invite you to come experience his freedom. And all of us need that, guys. All of us need that. Because there's parts of us, there's parts of us that still we aren't submitting to God. And even as his children, so let's, let's live into that together so we don't be people who have Jesus standing in front of us, standing right in front of us when we don't see him. And I know that that happens, guys, that happens all the time that you probably feel that some Sundays when you come and we're like, we're singing to Jesus, we're worshiping him and you're just like, I don't see it, I don't see it today, you know? And, and in that moment, just don't be like, this is stupid. Like in that moment, I just want you to pray, God, what is it in me that's not free? Like, I can't participate. Why am I not able to right now? And, and seek his freedom. And the sun sets free and free indeed. Find that freedom, live in that freedom, and go share that freedom that he's given you. Pray with me. Father, I, uh, I confess that when I think about praying this way, I get nervous a little bit to, I love being affirmed. I love just being told I do great things and God, you're a good father like we sang. You're a good father and and we're loved by you, and that's who we are. And in that safety, I pray that you'll just keep revealing your truth. God, us who have even come to faith in you and love you, um, there's so much, so much to still come to know about you and enjoy about you. The things that hold us back from doing that, I pray you'll reveal to us that we can 
without hindrance or hesitation, love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You can worship